Hey guys, how you doing? This is JP Saricolia coming to you once again with another episode of Age of Heroes, my podcast. Welcome uh, whoever is listening through the different platforms and also those who are uh, watching this through YouTube. Uh, welcome and thank you very much for your support. Now, today I want to talk uh, about comics. This week is about comics. And I want to really talk about it because uh, there's something in the air, I would say. Uh, I'm a big fan of comics, and anything that has to do with comics, uh, I just feel the need to talk about it. Uh, it is my first passion when it comes about my hobbies. It is the first thing. And, and I want to talk about it because this month we are celebrating a pretty much a, uh, a an epic thing. Uh, and this is for those, uh, I would say, those are that follow comics perhaps since the 90s, those who are familiar with Todd McFarlane. Those who love Todd McFarlane, I know he's a divisive, and a lot of people don't like his art, or they don't like him as a person. Uh, he can be controversial, but uh, it is a triumph for him, and for I would say for a lot of people that support him over the years, uh, myself included, um, because Spawn is now 301 issues old which is a big, big achievement for a, uh, I would say for a privately owned, for a, uh, you know, in this case, for uh, uh, independent publisher, uh, independent published uh, comic book to get to this point. Uh, the only one that was prior to this was uh, Cerebos, the Arbark, also created by another Canadian, uh, in this case, Dave Sim. That one lasted from since 1977 to be published until 2004 with 300 issues. The, the 300 number uh, issue was the last one, and that was it. So that was the the longest run for in this case for a independent comic book. Well, Spawn already broke it. Actually, Spawn got to the same level last month in September with issue number three hundred, and it was a big fanfare. A lot of people were talking about it. But this month they they pretty much passed that record, and the, you know the sky is the limit because uh, McFarlane is more popular down now than ever through his different uh, I would say businesses through the toy lines through also that he's producing a new film so it's a lot of things so I want to talk today and I want to celebrate. I wouldn't say Spawn, because at the end of the day, Spawn is a comic book story that, to be honest, is, is important for the time frame of the 90s. Uh, it is not the most memorable thing, maybe the most memorable because of the art or the influence and what it really created. But I wouldn't say it's the best story of all times or the best character of all times. But we, I want to talk about, in this case, of the person behind Spawn, because at the end of the day, uh, you can reflect. I would say that, in this case, Al Simmons is the same reflection of Todd McFarlane. And you can see a lot of it through the, his long history and his triumphs and also he also his lost battles in, in, in the comic book world and also in the collector world, because we have to thank him, not only as comic book readers, but also as a, you know, collectors, toy collectors, statue collectors, uh, as people that enjoy the movies that we watch nowadays, superhero stories, because he was definitely a pioneer in a lot of those uh, areas or facets of the industry in the early 90s. A lot of the things that he did, the way he pushed things out 
for the industry has helped and cemented what we know now of superheroes through movies, through collectibles, uh, through cartoons, all of that. He was there at the forefront, really pushing the envelope all along the way, alongside the, the you know, in this case, his partners are Image Comics. But no one, I would say, no one has done it as as uh, I was as successfully as he has done it. I, I, so he deserves, I would say, our praise. So I want to talk about it, and I want to expand a little bit. Now, for those who do not know, let's get into a little bit of history because I enjoy the history, and a lot of people like to come to my channel because the history lessons <laughs> you know i'm not a historian but i enjoy to you know get the facts straight to get information and provide it to whoever is listening now talk about farland he's canadian uh he was born in alberta uh calgary uh he's 58 years old he's not really that old and but he has a long history uh, has done a lot of great things through his life now talk about far you know he didn't grow up uh, you know and i would say in a in a rich home you know his father traveled all over the place so he had to deal with it you know for for many years you know he went to college on a scholarship through baseball he he loved baseball uh, to this day he's a big uh, baseball memorabilia collector he has paid millions of dollars for things that you would be surprised he loves baseball so he went uh, to the different facets trying to you know he went to scholarship to college he was also drew uh, drawing uh, since you know since he was a teenager that was some one thing that actually he claims that kind of kept him safe through all the traveling that his father had to do because he was uh, he worked in the printing industry so he had to travel all over the place sometimes they have to live in Canada sometimes they lived in the US so it was a constant change so comics was a I would say a haven for him you know to you know relinquish some of that also to to let go of some of the pressure so he loved comics and he was drawing but he never thought that he would get into comics so he was when he was in college he was doing a lot of stuff the the baseball didn't work out he got injured a lot of things happened so but he started sending all his art and he uh, to a lot of publishers and other publishers criticized him. He said, you know, you can have a lot of interviews. I have read, you know, not only read a lot of interviews, but I have watched a lot of videos where he's interviewed. He's a very, he's very charismatic. And he talks about his past and um, how he became what he became, you know, through all, he was sending all his art. There was a lot of critiques. A lot of people didn't even send not, no notes back, but some people did. And they told him, you need to improve in this area. You need to improve in that area. Ultimately, because of that pressure, he was putting so much pressure. He sent uh, a one actor, he actually left college in 1984, the same year he was contracted by Marvel and he was working for the epic, uh, in this case, imprint, the epic, uh, I would say, comics, which is definitely just an imprint from Marvel that it was uh, creator-owned, uh, so they only have different, uh, other people can, you know, use the imprint from Marvel and they were published, of course, by Marvel. So, Coyote was one uh, that was, in this case, a series that was created by Steve uh, Engelhard, the great Steve Engelhard, and also Marshall Rogers. So he started doing some of the art. I think he did, did a backup story, uh, like a five-page backup story uh, in, in 1984. That was it. That's his start with Marvel. Then, of course, he started working for DC. He was doing some stuff here and there for Marvel on DC, but he started working for Infinity Inc. Uh, and then he was doing it there for uh, 1985 to 1987. Now, in 1987... That's when he illustrated the last three issues of, in this case, Detective Comics Batman Year Two. And that was, I would say, when everything expanded for him, like exploded. People started paying attention of his art. 
they like this new kid. They like the the, the vibrancy. Uh, a lot of people might complain or they might criticize McFarlane because of uh, he's not anatomically correct, but he was vibrant, and you can see that in his art. So that was the, the the beginning of it. So he went from that moment on. He went to work for Marvel. He was invited to work at Marvel. In 1987, 1988, he was working with Peter David with Incredible Hulk. There's an omnibus that is coming very soon. Uh, a lot of people are excited for it. I'm excited because I'm going to get it. And he started doing the Incredible Hulk. Now, in 1988, he was invited. You know, he, he has become, by that time, he was already popular. He was popular. So he was invited by Michelini to work with the Mason Spider-Man. And there is his history. He became so popular with Spider-Man that, of course, with Mason Spider-Man, that ultimately he, he, he got tired of it. He wanted to move out. He wanted to create his own, his own thing. That's when they give him the, his own solo Spider-Man stories. They're not that great, but it was there. And then, of course, then he left. You know, 1991, he finished working with Marvel. He left with the other guys. And, you know, Eric Larson, Jim Lee. Silvestri and so on and they all then went and created Image Comics so it is an amazing story to see how he became so popular and of course he's always been linked with the in this case the speculator market and a lot of people even blame him and others in this case this artist for what happened with comics then but they were not, I would say, the cause, more like the result of the speculator market. Uh, they were just artists trying to make, you know, I would say ends meet, but at the same time, they were a new generation, totally different than the previous generation, that they saw this as a work for hire thing. They saw it as an opportunity for them to be more involved in the direction of the art and also wanted to push their own creations. And that's definitely what happened in the 90s. So Image Comics was created. And then a Spawn was published. It was published in May, May of 1992. That's when the first issue of Spawn was created. A month after Rough Liefeld's Young Blood, who uh, in this case this was was the Young Blood was the first book uh, published by Image Comics. So Spawn is the second one, and it became a, a success. And I can tell you one thing. Um, to be honest with you, when you go back and you read those first issues of Spawn, of course, the art was great. Ours was McFarlane's art. It, was, it wasn't bad. It was McFarlane's. And, of course, they got all these different covers, and he sold so well and everything like that. But when you read the stories, you realize the stories were really poor, you know, poorly written. They were not that great. So because of the criticism, of course, he contracted other uh, writers. You have people like Alan Moore, Neil Gaiman, uh, Dave Sim, uh, Frank Miller. They all came and shipped in some of the issues and helped him. And then later on, he got Grant Morrison, Andrew Grossberg, and so many other writers. They kind of help him. And they kind of give some shape, in this case, to to the art. Uh, it gave shape, in this case, to the story of Spawn. Uh, initially, uh, Capullo, Greg Capullo was kind of like, a, in this case, a guest artist. He was helping him with some of the panels and stuff like that. Ultimately, in issue uh, 26, it became the, uh, the full artist, the penciler. And a lot of people remember Spawn because of Capullo's art. You know, that was one of the best parts of the art. And the story. And uh, when you come to think about Spawn up to this day, you know, is the, 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 only, the only two books that have survived the initial creators of the initial uh, lineup of, in this case, Image, you have Eric Larson's The Savage Dragon still being published today, and The Spawn. They're the only two that are left. Youngblood is no longer here, Wetworks and all that stuff. Uh, Wildcats are no longer published. So, you know, they, they, you know, they reprinted and stuff like that, but that's it, you know. But they're still running month to month. You know, they still send, you know, in this case, get an issue after issue. In 1994, actually, you know, the, in the 
upkeep of the popularity of the character also McFarlane started doing crossovers with DC Comics that's when we got the crossover between Batman and Spawn which you know a lot of people love it's a great idea the characters really go and gel really well and of course Spawn did a lot of crossovers with other characters in Image Comics and and some other characters outside of Image Comics so definitely there was a great time there but in that year it was an important year and that's important for us, for all collectors, because that's when he created his toy company, initially named Todd's Toys. He was working with Mattel, trying to design different toys. But Mattel all had this idea of toys, just particularly for children, uh, without a lot of detail, with a, a lot of, I would say, uh, articulation, stuff like that. So he wanted something more for, uh, the, actually for his crowd, the people that love Spawn, because he was trying to create Spawn figures. Ultimately, he didn't like the work with Mattel, because Mattel had a vision what they wanted to do and he had a vision and this is to cater to his audience which were teenagers no longer kids people that were older that they really loved Spawn and they wanted something more realistic so that's when he created his own toys and the first run he created the serious con the concept of the series so he developed a couple of series you have to collect them and uh, of course in the second series and Spawn that's how the toys were created and I remember that was 1994 when the first toys were where it came out you know it came out uh, for sale and people were in love with the toys i remember those toys the original toys they were different than anything you have and then you have people buying them to collect them and also part of the speculative market was there and they were amazing and through all the years that happened after that he not only went into the spawn figures he did so many series and amazing figures they were kind of little statues but that's what you wanted you're not playing with toys you wanted something to collect and of course they give room to other things where he did other series for in this case for uh, uh, movies, you know, for Kiss was one of the favorite ones. He did stuff for The Simpsons. Uh, he did stuff for, um, uh, you know, for rock bands. He did stuff for horror movies. Like, he did a lot of amazing stuff. He was all over the place with the stuff he was doing. I remember there was highly detailed. There were no better figures than what he was producing at the time i remember the day in the early 2000s he was doing also figures for military figures and i used to have a friend used to work together he he was a former uh soldier in the army and he collect them all he collect them all and you could go to his house even his office because we worked together same company uh, he was actually my boss in um but we were good friends and that he collect them all he had them all he loved the soldiers you know his time in the in the army uh overseas all of that so he loved them you know they they were so, there was nothing else nothing comparable at the time you know then the figures you know then you have later years we have other companies like soda toys and all that stuff that started coming and then of course you got the statues you know but when the science started a few years after uh the in this case uh mcfarland toys and of course it concentrated on statues but everything started the concept of series the concept of you know bringing a series for people to collect in base and numbers that was something that he created and the detail also pushed other people to become artists they wanted to you know do the same thing but in different instead of using plastic and toys they wanted to use uh, in this case statues and of course i show uh, was created and all these companies were created because of what he did a lot of us collectors started collecting things because of mcfarland toys because spawn figures and uh, of course then we grew up we got older and now we want something more substantial and of course the industry has changed and he was part of that you know not only that in 1996 you know we continue on in this he founded mcfarland entertainment and uh amazing achievement because the following year 1997 that's what the first film spawn is one of the pioneer films of superhero stories was created 
I remember his first Bond. I love the first Bond movie. A lot of people criticize it today. A lot of people, I hear a lot of critics saying, oh, we don't like it. And it was not a success because it was different of the concept of anything you had before. You know, it was not a superhero as we knew, a Captain America or Superman or Batman. It was different. You know, it was darker. But I like it because it really kind of resembled the same art, the same comic book concept. And, uh, you know, of course, people not, they tear it, tear it apart. But, you know, if you didn't grow up during those years and didn't watch it in the movie theater like I did, of course, it was different. It was something totally awe-inspiring, even though I've, it hasn't really, uh, you know, you know, gotten old as well. You know, it's not as good as it used to be, or at least my perception of it is not the greatest now, but I still enjoy it for what it was, a pioneer in the industry that was nothing to do with Batman or Superman or things, you know, those type of superheroes. That was even prior to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, years before that. So definitely was that. Not only that, he, uh, and the, the same, uh, that was 1997, 1990, uh, um, the same year, that was 1997 to 1999, we had the HBO animated series. And a lot of people might criticize it today, but I remember the animated series. I really, a lot of people love it because it was dark in, t- in tone. It was not a just for kids. It was definitely for adults. It was adult-oriented. And, uh, but it really resembled, it really played the same thing as the comic book. It was a great concept produced by his company. And not only that, he was producing also, the, in this case, a music video. So animation for music videos like Do the Evolution for Pearl Jam. Fantastic. You know, that video alone won awards on MTV and all that stuff. He did stuff for Korn. A lot of things, you know. He, his companies have done so many great things, uh, initiating the concept for so many other things up to this day. You know, it doesn't mean that McFarlane's have always been at the top of things. You know, he has done some things also. Kind of, you can call it shady. Like, he had, the, in this case, the legal dispute that he had with Neil Gaiman in regards to Angela, Medieval Spawn, and Cogliostro. That ultimately, he lost because, actually, he was publishing without really paying royalties to Gaiman, who actually was the one that created the characters in his imprint um, through uh, Spawn. You know, Spawn was claiming the same thing he was claiming when he was in, you know, working for, uh, that he was complaining he was working for Marvel Comics, he was saying that his game was actually a work for hire, but not according to the concept of, in this case, there was no contractual thing, they never signed a contract, so in this case, the judge gave it to Gaiman, so ultimately they settled, and in this case Gaiman retained the, the, the ownership of uh, Angela, and of course he went to work for Marvel, he sold it to Marvel and now, of course, Angela is at Marvel, which is an interesting thing, and unfortunately it's unfortunate for us, because uh, now some of the new prints that they are coming out, some of the new collections for Spawn, uh, like issue nine, that's when uh, Angela was introduced, that's not, not part of this new hardcover collection, so the newer collections don't have it, the older do, which is sad, because it takes away some of those, because of some of those uh, complaints, and you know, it's sad, because it takes away some of the, the history of the characters, at least because Angela, to, I can tell you one thing, when, if you read the issues one to eight, they're okay, but when you read issue nine with introduction of course Medieval Spawn and Angela and Cogliostro, things get in more interesting. And actually that's the best part of the story. You know, I like that she is introduced there because it actually gives more uh, backstory to the character to Spawn. And really a good backstory. So definitely that's the only thing. You know, I could say one thing. It is amazing just to think how time flies. To me to remember the first time that I held in my hands the first issue of Spawn. And I was so mesmerized by it just to think that this was totally different. This was nothing. This was like new. It's like a new drug. You know, totally different. Nothing to do with Marvel. Nothing to do with DC. And you're excited. And to see it that it's been so long and now with 301 issues is amazing. And 
there's still things going. You know, Todd is still going strong. You see the upcoming movie he's been talking about forever. Until I see it, I'll believe it. But, you know, he's been talking about it. And I believe that he will push to until he sees it. I'm not crazy about what he's trying to accomplish because he wants to go more into the more horror style, more than the fantasy. I really will... I like the balance between the fantasy and the horror. I don't like just one-sided thing. But he wants to go in that route. We'll see it. Also, we know that they're in production of, a, 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 in this case, a second part of the animated series, a new animated series. Looking forward to that. Hopefully it's good because the original was good. It was cheesy, but it was good, you know, based on the, car, in this case, the comic book. And also his new, um, now dealings with DC, he, he is now has the rights for the DC figures, something that Mattel lost. They had it for 18 years. They did really bad and pretty much in the last, they have done really bad in the last, almost last 10 years with their figures. They've not been okay. So, of course, now he has the chance. And, of course, but he's been doing with this company, he's been concentrating on all the figures. He's doing things for, like, My Hero Academia, things for Fortnite. He's doing for uh, Mortal Kombat. He's been doing all kind of stuff. Spawn has been in so many video games, you know, with, you know, this is Mortal Kombat. He's been in Soul Calibur. He's been in so many places. It is amazing to see how this character has evolved. And he was not the greatest character. At the end of the day, it was just the drive of Todd McFarlane to push his creation. And I think that's the best part. What I can tell you one thing at the end, now coming to the end of this podcast today, that uh, sometimes people say, well, if the creation is good, then everything is going to be easy. And that's not true. That's not true. Um, and this is probably is going to be an advice for those. I have a lot of friends here that create their own stuff. They are artists, they are writers, they create their own stories. Maybe you are that person, you're listening, you're a creator, you're creating your own uh, stories, your web comics and all that, and nobody's paying attention. Or you feel that nobody's paying attention to your work. Maybe you're getting into sculpting or you're getting into drawing or whatever you're doing, designing. Um, the sky is the limit. Don't limit yourself. And I'll confuse, in this case, Matt Farling as an example. His art was never the greatest. I can tell you this. His stories were never that great. And even his art is not comparable to other greater artists. But he has the drive and the desire and push, push, push for what he saw, what he envisioned. And ultimately, ultimately he was able to accomplish those things. And still, he's still accomplishing those things and all those dreams because he has the drive. Ultimately, anybody can draw. Anybody can sculpt. But only those are willing to push the boundaries and to be different and to be unique. And to not to take no for an answer are the ones that are going to succeed. And he has done it. He, you know, you know, he has made a lot of money. He's been, you know, through his businesses. He has failures like everybody else. He has really highs and you know lows. But he's been there and he's still pushing. And until this day, you learn a lot from the guy. And you can really love love the guy, even though you might not like his art or his writing or even his character. You might you love him because he is, has this drive. He has this impulse to continue creating and to be different and to change. And if somebody says you cannot do it, he's gonna just prove him wrong. He's gonna do it. And I can tell that to any of us, any of us, myself included, even whatever thing we do is that we, if we take a no for an answer if we constantly uh, somebody shuts the door at us and we just turn our, with you know our backs with our tail under our legs just because we've been i would say you know somebody says no they don't like what we do then we're never going to be able to accomplish anything and i feel that with todd you know as an example 
Uh, there's a lot of things that we can learn from him. He's a great guy. I really like him. I'm very happy for Spawn. Uh, I stopped reading Spawn many years ago. I still have the digital collection. I almost have the entire digital collection, but I stopped, you know, collecting those issues long time ago. And I don't really collect the collect, the collect you know, this is the collector editions anymore. I don't have the space for that. But, uh, and definitely it's not on my top, you know, 10 list of uh, comic books that I want to read. Uh, I, I, up to this day, I love Savage Dragon uh, more than I love Spawn. But I can say what I could tell you that definitely what Spawn did, you know, and has done and how much love the people uh, in this case, the fans have for the character and for Todd. It is an amazing thing. Uh, they support him through everything, uh, even through the bad days. You know, they have support him and uh, we support him because he's a believer. He's like us. You know, he believed that, you know, nothing was impossible. And at the end of the day, that's what the, you know, our lives are. You know, nothing is impossible unless we say so. So definitely this is what I want to give to you today. This is the takeaway from it. I'm really happy for it. Uh, and But definitely um, there's a lot to learn from this experience and from Spawn and from Tuck McFarlane, that's for sure. But what is your opinion? If you're watching this on YouTube, let me know in the comments below how you feel about it. Do you like Spawn? Are you still reading Spawn? Are you a big fan of Spawn? Do you hate Spawn? You cannot stand Tuck McFarlane? Let me know in the comments below. If you're listening to the podcast and you want to share that, you can come to YouTube. Or also, you can go to my Facebook page. The links are down below. You can go to Twitter. And let me know how you feel about uh, the content in this podcast. And thank you once again for supporting me. Thanks once again for listening and i'll talk to you again god bless bye bye